This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are here talking about how to invest. The way... <laughs> Yep. Warren Buffett does it. <laughs> said this 285 so times. Oh, let me do it. Let me do okay. it for once. Okay. All right. Uh, we are here to talk about whether or not value investing is the right way forward in this crazy world of the market. No, your hands are up. You're looking upset. No, I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. Well okay. done. Um, because We're here to even think of, does value investing even work? Yeah. Does it even that? work? And what is it? And what does Buffett do that's different than other people? Because it is different from what other people do who call themselves value investors. These are the and many questions we try to answer along with many thoughts about life in general and how to live a happier one. How about that? In particular, right now, is we are in this... Uh, in this coronavirus pandemic and we are watching what Warren Buffett is doing quite carefully um, since he is without question, one of the best investors in the history of the world. He's doing nothing. He is sitting doing nothing. Well, I mean, so far we know, right? Like he might've so been doing something know. this week or something. So far as we know through the month of April. So yeah. we're a month late. Yeah. But he could very well be doing something, but I, I seriously doubt it since he didn't do anything much at all when the market had dropped 37%. Right. And his reason why was twofold. First, he wants to be sure that Berkshire Hathaway has the cash to be a Fort Knox um, a, and, and in, in the face of an unknown um, future, which is interesting, an unknown future. Too many possibilities to figure out where things are going. So he's going Fort Knox, uh, which is stacking up $140 billion in cash. And the second reason is that he didn't find anything that was on sale that was interesting enough for him to buy. Yeah. And those two reasons meant he's sitting on cash. And um, in the history of our, our, our experience with Warren Buffett, so from the 1950s on, we have a really really good look at all the things he's done over all these years through many different kinds of markets. And he hasn't been wrong. So, yeah. So Buffett hasn't been doing anything as far as we know. And we finished up last time talking about a company that is very unvalue investy because it's a brand new company to the public markets. We don't, it's a brand new company really overall. I mean, it's only been around since I think 2015 and um, and that company is Peloton. And what we're trying to figure out is, I think it's a question worth asking because so many people are interested in these sorts of growth-oriented companies that 
have questionable um, numbers, shall we say? Not that not that I'm questioning Peloton's accounting, but they don't have. Um, they're not profitable. I think they probably will be profitable this year, but they haven't been pros- profitable in the past, and that is um, is not a typical value choice. So the question that we're addressing here is larger than just Peloton. And I think that's what's interesting about it. Like, what do we do when we see a cool company that is not the kind of thing Buffett would buy? And yet, you know, we see potential in it. So I think that's the overall question that I'm curious about that. And then Peloton itself is also just intriguing. So why why wouldn't Buffett buy this company? Let's start right there. What's wrong with Peloton? Yeah, that I think it, that's a great question. The best investor in the world wouldn't buy this company. Well, the reason he wouldn't is he likes to buy things that have a long history of earnings, of income. And this company yeah, he, has he, no history of income. And, and the reason he likes a long history of income, I think, is because you want to see how well the company handles things when the tide goes out, right? Like if 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 we're in a growth economy, everything's going well, then you know, a lot of companies are doing well, but when you go into a recession, then it's then, and, and you have recessions, you know, every five to 10 years, um, you get to see, does this company come out better out of a recession? Are they a bigger part of their marketplace or are they weaker? Because great companies come out of tough times better than ever, bigger than ever. And one of the kind of ironies of this particular situation is that this recession that we're definitely in is making Peloton grow like a weed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm, mm-hmm. okay, well, the tide went out big time and this thing is doing great. So <laughs> now what do we think about it? <laughs> it's a curious right. tide that happened to support exactly Peloton's business model. <laughs> right, exactly. So maybe we could maybe we could just forget about that part of things and say, well, okay, it's doing great in a massive recession. Um, so maybe we should try to put a value on this thing. Maybe we should say, okay, well, let's let's go deeper. Yeah. Well, well so is there any other reason that Buffett wouldn't buy it besides they just are are new, relatively new? Um, so thinking hmm. about the main things that we look at, right? Are we yeah, capable of understanding Yeah, because last time we were business? going through the four. So yeah, so we talked yeah. about understanding. Right. We talked. We talked were. About. We were. We finished talking about moats, although that right. took a, that was a long discussion. Right. Um. So we we ultimately think they they actually may have a moat. Yeah. Um. This whole model that they have is quite moaty, if you think it's, about it. It's way more moaty than I expected it to be. Way yeah. more moaty. And so then and the next the, question is, who's right. the management? Right. And let's let's just say they're good. Okay, just for the... They're fine. So the it. guy who runs the company is the guy who founded the company. So it's, an, it's a founder um, turned into public CEO, which is not always successful. Um, and he may need some help, I think. But he's got that... He's got that vision. He's got that passion. He's got that drive to make this company a truly world-class, huge exercise leader. What did he call it? The most innovative company for in-home exercise or something like that. Yeah, and it's so, you know, the apple of the apple. He's of got exercise. he's got the big goal. Yeah, the apple of in-home exercise. So he's got the big goal. He's got the drive. He's been there since the beginning. He's the one who designed some of these patented technologies. So it's his baby. 
we're gonna we're gonna stipulate that the founder is amazing and you know he's right there with we're gonna make him right there with the other greats okay so good we get, <laughs> we get great management we're That's stipulating a lot to say about john foley but okay go ahead we're stipulating and so now we're at the fourth m yes. margin of safety and and just to remember why charlie uh, wants a margin of safety. Warren wants a margin of safety because of, and I quote, the vicissitudes of life, mm-hmm. which would mean stuff happens. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> Things happen. That you don't expect. And you need to be sure that you're buying these things um, with a lot of comfort zone. I like Manesh Pabrai's view that we're trying to get a free lottery ticket. Now, that's not your favorite thing in the world, but I like it. No, but you explained it really well. So it makes sense to me now. Okay, cool. So it it tells us we we don't want a downside here that's significant because we're going to use our real money. And we want to remember that investing isn't gambling or speculation. It's not the process of going to Las Vegas with some money you hope to win with, but you're going to just go have fun. And, and you, you don't want to lose, but okay, if you do, you know, you're gambling, right? Yeah. That's not investing. Really, emphatically, that's not investing. But that's what most people do when they call it investing in the stock market. They're just speculating. They're hoping and praying and wishing it would go up. And as a result, most people who do that and are rational are not using a lot of money that they can't afford to lose. And that's where you hear these stories. Oh, I made this much on this thing and that much on that thing. You know, it's they're gambling. They're giving you gambling stories. What we're doing is vastly different than that. We're buying something as if it's the only company we're going to buy. We're going to buy one. That's a good point. That's, a, that's actually a really and good point. And that's it. And we're having mm-hmm. our family's money invested in this one thing. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't succeed, we're really in desperate financial problems. And, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and we're so sure that it's good as if like we'd put all our money into a family restaurant and we're putting everything into that. And we're so sure that it's good that when our cousin wants to sell out at a really super cheap price and, give, and get rid of his share of this restaurant, we want to buy it. We want to own it. We want to want to take out all of the people who don't want to be part of our restaurant. And if they'll give us a great price, we're going to buy it at that great price. Yeah. So that's a very different thing than thinking, ah, I'm going to gamble. If it, if I goes down, you know, I lost some money, no big deal. No, no, no. We're looking at this and going, if it goes down, I'm putting every last penny I can find in this thing. Mm-hmm. That's investing. Okay. So that's so vastly different. Now, with that context, needing to have a lottery ticket that doesn't go down, this, we know it's not going to go down. It can only go up, basically. And we have a margin of safety that protects us from the ups and downs of life. Can we get to a, a, a particular value on Peloton? Can we figure out what we could pay for this? In that I mean, way yeah, to me, be- that's the question. It's not so much margin of safety because... You can't even figure out the margin of safety till you know what the value is. Right. And We're looking for the value. I I can't, to be honest. Like, I'm hoping you'll tell me because I don't know how to take a company that's lost money every year. And you can go back a couple years on their S1 filing, but they haven't even filed an annual report as a public company yet. And... Um, and yet their market cap is, well, actually, I'm not even going to say what it is because it doesn't actually matter what the stock market thinks it is. So let's look at that at the end. Um, 
But I don't know how to figure out a company that has only losses on their balance sheet, what that possible value could be. So what do you do when you see that? Do you just write it off? Not possible? Not immediately. Um, losses on the balance sheet, remember, are, or losses on the financial statements are <clears throat> a product of generally accepted accounting principles, which can often have some weirdness in them. Um, for example, we would we might uh, want to own a real estate company, <clears throat> a real estate investment uh, trust, REIT, R-E-I-T, that might not look that great on its income statement, might have losses on the income statement, as a result of generally accepted accounting principles that allow it to write off a huge portion of the, <clears throat> of the buildings that they own, which are not actually depreciating. And those true, those write-offs against against income could create a negative income, and yet mm -hmm. it's a fantastic investment mm -hmm. because the real cash flow is there. Those are just tax-related, generally accepted accounting principles. So we we don't want to take things at face value when we're looking seriously at a company. So simply losing money on generally accepted accounting principles on, on a basis of earnings, net earnings, isn't necessarily a disqualifier. It's certainly something. We it's would, the, I mean, it's the procedure that we have for figuring out the margin of safety price. So it is, it is true. It's a bit so of a disqualifier. Figuring out mar, well, figuring out margin of safety price, we're using the term very carefully right there because it's, yes. what we mean by that is the discounted cash flow analysis yes. that we use. We call it margin of safety as opposed to the payback time, which looks at it more from private equity point of view, or the 10 cap, which looks at it as if we're buying a, a real estate house down the road, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of pre-tax look. So we look at it three different ways. And, and yeah, we would pretty much disqualify this on the basis of, of uh, having no net income. We can't really arrive at a value based on a discounted cash flow analysis or discounted earnings analysis, I should say. But we could look at it on the basis of cash flow. Mm -hmm. So do they have cash flow? Let's see. Right? Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of where we would start. Let's go up with a company like this where you're writing off a huge amount of the original costs of the business and they're expanding very, very rapidly and writing a lot of that off. So that's what the world's doing out there. That's the way the rest of the market is trying to value this business. They look beyond the net earnings and they're looking at some form of non-gap accounting method of looking at this company and non-gap accounting, which means they're going to just kind of ignore some yeah. of the stuff. I mean, I, I hear you. I'm not sure they are looking at non-GAAP accounting, though. I mean, I'm sure some people are. But I think what they're doing is looking in the future and saying this company is going to be making tons of money in a few years once they stop spending so much on marketing and on building headquarters. They just spent $110 million on building headquarters and a new studio in New York. They spent 500 something million on uh, on marketing last year. And that's way, way up from the year before. So they have been putting a lot into um, getting their brand out there, getting their name out there, getting their getting to be known amongst people who are potential users and buyers. And I think what people are looking at is in a few years, they think everyone will know what Peloton is. You say, I got a Peloton. People will know exactly what that is. 
and they won't have to spend so much on that stuff anymore. So they're looking at this as, again, it's a growth, it's a growth story. It's like they're putting in the, um, the infrastructure, the investment now so that in a couple of years they will benefit from it. Well, okay. But how are they? Okay. Fair enough. So they're, they're looking into the so future. So what I'm saying is if they cut their marketing spend in half, which they basically did this year, they stopped spending on marketing once coronavirus hit, which is what many companies did. Um, they would have been profitable last year. Right. Okay. So they're, they, they, and the, and the truth is you're right. They're, they're looking far into the future to see where this company is going to go and making some projections about what's going to happen. Yeah. And that starts to take us out of the realm of our comfort zone where we are we are trying to guess about something like this. Um, now, I'm kind of hesitating to really nail this because there is if, if a company has a huge moat, then. You know, well, first, every investment isn't a look out the back window of the car. Every investment is. A reference to the back window, looking where the road's been, but you're always looking into the future. You're always trying to figure out, you know, will this be better down the road in 10 years? And so if we looked at Peloton and we said, hey, is this going to be a bigger company in 10 years? How how would you answer that question? Just, just, it's going to be more productive, more users, right? What would would you say? Yes, it will be larger in 10 years. And what degree of certainty do you have about that? Do you have uh, enough certainty about that that you would put all of your money into this company? No. I have enough There's certainty about it that I would put some money into it at the right price. <laughs> oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> How's that I for prevaricating? <laughs> I don't like that at all. I, I don't like seeing you being willing to put money into a company I didn't that say you I wouldn't was... be willing to put all of your money into. Because what that says is, oh, yeah, well, I'm not really sure. I, well, okay. So don't misunderstand me. I haven't put any money into this company. So, right. Right. I just so don't what I'm like saying the is, idea that you might. I mean, obviously, we're of well, any we, do, we do get to, we being like people who follow your methodology, get to have a small risky biz part of the portfolio, right? So to me, this oh. falls into that part of it where it's like, it doesn't really meet the strict criteria, but I am confident it's going to be bigger in 10 years. So that's that kind of like, well, I could put a little bit about it. Am I going to put the whole portfolio into it? No. All right, but, let's, com- let's compare it a couple of things because you can't, the key thing here, you guys, is you can't arrive at a value unless you have a pretty high degree of certainty about where things are going well, to be in the future. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem I think is, is that I, can't really arrive at a value. So, so let's let's look at some past examples even... of things where where they they didn't have a lot of history, and yet I felt very very comfortable putting money. Oh, in. fabulous! Okay, good. Please. All right. So one of them is Google. Okay. I piled in at two hundred bucks a share. All right. So Why? and it took me a while. It went public at about eighty or hundred or something like that. Um, and it took me a while to really get it, and I I didn't really get it until we started to use it and understand how powerful their advertising tools were. Um, so once I understood what was going on out there, I piled in and it only had like three or four years of history. And I piled in because it was 
the only game in town. It was clear to me that they were they were absolutely going to dominate. They were already dominating when I jumped in, and they were going to wipe out everybody else. There was no doubt in my mind. So I knew to you can never know guys obviously we say i know but yeah. I, no one knows it's just a high degree of certainty we'll call it that 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 company 10 years later was going to be a lot bigger and now it's you know we're 10 years later it's a lot bigger and yeah I but that's just that's that, way oversimplifying it's going to no, be a lot bigger no you no, had to arrive no. at a number no no i really couldn't have arrived at a number i just knew in a high degree of certainty, it was going to be a lot bigger. Which has nothing to do with how the market prices it. If there's one thing well, I've learned, it's that. Oh, yeah. But you could go back there and see that Google was selling for, you know, a really good price. Like, but I can't that's remember what I'm exactly saying. What the cap rate was. You had to price it somehow. Yeah, based on free cash flow at the time. Okay. So they had right. free. So um, again, so like Peloton has no free cash flow. Oh, all. yeah. It had free cash flow at the time. It wasn't okay. running negative numbers at all. Okay. Okay. Right? Okay. So, that so those two things went together. I could, I could put a price on it based on it's going to be bigger and it's got this cash flow today. And based on this cash flow today, this is totally worth it. Okay. Okay. All right. Second one. So you was, found, let um, me just recap that. So okay. the difference there that I hear is that you used, their their cash flow and what you just said is their profits that they actually had income coming in um to figure out a price yeah and that's a big they, difference yeah. from this pretty, peloton situation numbers. right very different and the, the other one was chipotle mexican grill this thing didn't have a lot of, of in fact when i wrote about it back in 2006 in in rule number one you know, it, it had like six years of history going. I think I actually put those numbers in the book, six or seven years. <laughs> so, you know, it, it didn't have that. But it, what it had was massive free cash flow and a very, very beautiful moat, right? Very similar to Peloton. It's sort of inventing a new niche, mm-hmm. inventing a new niche. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then it, and it had a growth strategy. It, you could see them on unfolding this growth strategy and rolling out stores. And you could compare that to other stores of their sort. How, how many stores could you run out? You know, and you, you're, you're looking at McDonald's out there, which would be the upper end, right? Many, many thousands of stores. And you could look at lower end ones and see that these guys are nowhere near those either. You know, I think when I started coming into Chipotle, it had, you know, under a thousand stores. So um, you could see the growth. It was going to be bigger and they had massive cash flow and you could buy it super cheap. So, those those are there's two examples of quote risky biz and in, risky biz portfolio stuff in 2006 or early 2000s did they have profit were they profitable oh, then lord yes okay. they were profitably gap profit they had cuz what a lot of people flow. do like just to answer the question what a lot of people do when companies are not profitable but they see this yes i think the company will be bigger in 5 years or 10 years is they do stuff like they start going oh, well, it's 17x revenue and that's similar to this other company or it's 10x EBITDA and that's similar to this other company because they find, they create a profit by taking out all the stuff that causes them to not make a profit. Um, and so right. the, people start to find these other metrics to use and I find that to be a bit, um, it can be somewhat useful to like make comparisons, but I find it to be really reaching when it comes to stuff like this. 
Well, you know, some of the great valuation books that are out there by, you know, fabulous professors, and I'm not, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong because I always forget how to pronounce it. Demodorn. I don't know. I don't know how Demoradin. to pronounce it. Demoradin. He's Demo. fabulous. I love yeah. him. And he's wrote a great book called Valuation. He's an NYU professor. We're not in a position where we have to, you know, we have to go to a courtroom and say, this is the value of this business, you know, which right. somebody has to do for every business. And, 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 you know, this fabulous professor at NYU has written the best ways of doing that. So many things you can look at to try to figure out the value when you have to figure out the value. But you're really just making a guess. And what we don't want to do with our retirements is to guess uh, wildly about the value where we have an expert in court that's going to tell us it's half of what we said it is or or less. And that happens every day in courtrooms. And And so knowing that we don't have to do that kind of valuation, we stick to the things that are really solid valuation techniques. And those are the three that we've given all you guys. Those, those three are going to get you to a great value. If you can buy companies at those kinds of prices, then you're going to do okay. As long as you've got, got it correct that they're going to be bigger in 10 years, you're going to do all right. You're going to, you're going to probably, you're not going to lose money. You'll have a free lottery ticket. Um, if you're correct about the moat and the fact that it's bigger down the road, it'll be yeah. worth more. Yeah. yeah. And the danger with a company like this, which has no savings, which, you know, is still paying off its early investors with stock, um, is that we, basically go through the opposite of what we just went through. What we just went through was like a massive boom for this company. But we could go through another kind of shock, which if the economic shock happens, this company could go from selling tons of bikes and treadmill. Well, they're not selling treadmills right now, but tons of bikes and subscriptions to selling almost no bikes and subscriptions. And they don't have a cushion. So they are not going to be able to make it through something like that. In the same way they've benefited massively from this unusual situation, they would be harmed massively by that sort of unusual situation. And when um, when you're buying into a new company like this, that's really the danger. They, just, they don't have a cushion. They don't have cash saved up. Um, and they're still paying off their investors. So it'd be hard for them to raise more money. And by the way, if they do have to raise more money, they would have to go dilute all the existing yes. shareholders massively, which means <clears throat> if you thought you owned, you know, let's say you're a big shareholder, you thought you owned 10% of the company, you'd wake up in the morning and you own 5% of the company. True. Or True. 2% of the company or 1% of the company. So there you go. Right? Or they would go out and uh, declare bankruptcy. This is always fun. True. Um, and get rid of all their current shareholders and get rid of a lot of the debt and convert the people who, who they owe money to into shareholders, the new shareholders, and start over um, without losing a single employee, without changing the management team, without yeah, missing or, a beat. Or they sell to somebody. You know, they they really, they have really valuable IP, so maybe they sell. So, yeah, anyway, maybe there's lots it. of... Um, there's lots of outcomes, but that's just, that's the, da that's why this stuff matters. That's why the pricing and the valuation matters. Right. So while we, we think we've got it right, that this company is probably going to do very, very well. What we can't really do well is figure out what should we pay for it? That's just too hard. Okay. It's too hard. It's, it's, it's not too hard to do a gamble on that basis, yeah. but it's too darn hard to put a huge chunk of my future uh, retirement into something like this. I just can't do it. So yeah. that's why Danielle, I think, I guess you took it over to the, to the place of say, well, it's a risky biz portfolio item. And I was going to push back on that a little bit. I think I 
you know, it's not, it's not where, oh man, I wish I had more information, but it's looking quite great right now. And I can definitely put a value on this. It's got free cash flow. I can do a 10 cap. I can see where. Oh, you're saying it's time. too risky for the risky biz <laughs> portfolio. In my oh, view. Oh, okay. In my view, this is a straight up gamble. Got it. Um, if you want to gamble on something like this, I don't know, go out and buy an option on it or something, you know, put a lot less money out there on the table hmm. and have a chance at a big home run. Maybe go that way. But this is a gamble. This is, uh, it's a gamble with a brain, but it's a gamble. All and right. I don't like doing that. I think I we like should leave it there. I got to right. go ride cool. my my Peloton. So if you're all sitting there bike. waiting for us to put a price <laughs> on this thing and say, oh, let's buy it at this price. Um, if somebody came in and said, I'll give it to you at $3 a share, I'm, you know, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but it's completely on that level. Oh, um, the so the market shot. thinks that it's worth... Thirteen and a half billion dollars right now. Yeah, totally, billion. totally insane. It's, totally uh, insane. It's pretty pricey. I mean, considering that you know a year ago it was estimated that the entire market potential that these guys could take would be a couple of billion dollars. Yeah, and um, pricing it at you know six x your revenue is a little pricey. Yeah. Six X your possible revenue if everything goes really, really well. So yeah. And, yeah, it's and not yeah, it's like game. yeah, it's it's uh, right. it's crazy. So that's enough. But Peloton. you know, I gotta say, like, I totally love their app. Sorry, guy. Like I my husband was like, You need to give out a referral code or something because you are talking this company up so much <laughs> and you should be getting like free months or something. But I am not, I have no referral code. I just I'm totally into it. And I just want to add also for mission, because we skipped over that one. This company has been really strong on mission, especially this week, which has been so hard for so many people. And um, and they donated to the NCAA uh, ACP Legal Defense Fund. They are doing rides related to um, civil rights and... Um, and just generally trying to give a boost to people. And I just really appreciate the way they're handling that stuff. So just wanted to throw that out there as well. Cool. And that's All it right. for Peloton. And, uh, yeah. And to everybody out there that's, uh, that's in, in places where, you know, there's a lot of, lot of pain and suffering going on, just be really safe. There's a lot of people out there who are not necessarily your best friends and you just yeah. have to be very careful. It's a very hard time. Yep. So we're sending our love and um and self self-care. Everybody needs some self-care right now. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks everybody. Hate to say it, but time to go play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that odd note. Yes. We're done. <laughs> Bye. Thank you guys. See ya. Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only. And I really hope you enjoyed it.